0: Hey everyone, I hope you're all keeping really well. It's Vanessa here from Working at Careers. Today I will be joined with Luke McEvoy. He is a junior doctor, and in today's episode we're just going to be chatting about his career journey from leaving school to working as a junior doctor. And he's going to be focusing a lot on what his day to day looks like. So I really hope you all enjoy today's episode, and I'll chat to you soon. Hi Luke, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Working at a Careers podcast. How have you been keeping?
1: That's a pleasure thank you very much for inviting me um I've been keeping well thank you yeah just uh trying to muddle through Mhm.
0: I suppose that life has been really hard working on the front line during the whole pandemic as well
1: like, it's definitely been it's been a weird few months uh certainly you know uh, I think for for everyone but for for frontline workers for doctors it's it you know your your job changes every day and, and the rules change all the time and uh, yeah it can be difficult to keep up sometimes.
0: So. Oh I can just imagine it would be stressful. <laughs> Today can you talk me through your journey from leaving school to studying medicine at university and then moving towards your career?
1: So I obviously I'm from Derry I went to St. Paul's College for first to third year and then I moved to Lumen Christie for fourth year to upper sixth. I both my parents are GPs in dairy, so uh, I always had sort of medicine in the house, and you know those sort of discussions, um. And I kind of, uh, well, I never really had that like vocational sort of pull to medicine. I think. I always kept my options open for it. You know, I had loads of other interests when I was a teenager, but um, when I came to choosing, um, GCSEs and A levels, I tried to sort of keep. The, the, uh, because medicine tended to be the most sort of selective thing that I was interested in at university, um, I, I, kept, I kept biology, kept chemistry. So that uh, made it so that basically whenever I was then uh, in Upper Sixth doing uh, a bit of work experience in different things, um, and I finally sort of <laughs> quite late on chose that uh, medicine as, as a definite for university, then uh, I was luckily able to... To, to carry on with that. Um, so yeah, so Upper sixth, I did work experience in law uh, with a family friend up in Belfast, and I also did work experience in uh, music as well, so I did a bit of um, sound sound recording up in the OES Centre in Belfast, which was amazing, but it was while I was doing that and my friends were all sort of in Alton and Galvin and, uh, you know, it, scrubbing into theatre and all that sort of stuff that I kind of thought... Actually, you know, I'm jealous of these people. This, this is what I always thought I wanted to do up in recording studios and being a rock star and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and yet, why am I jealous of all my mates that are like, uh, that are, you know, talking to normal people and you know, listening to their problems and all that sort of thing? And actually, yeah, I think I think that was when I found out that, it, or when I realized that that's kind of what I actually really wanted to do. So um, after that, I. Uh, more than anything, I wanted to get out of Northern Ireland. So I applied to um, only universities in England and Scotland. And I got a place in UCL, uh, University College London. So I uh, went to London for six years. There was a, it's called an integrated BSc in that. So basically you have to do another degree in your third year. So your, your first two years of medicine are quite broad. They're like lecture based. You sit and are told sort of these of high concept like scientific ideas by people that are top of their field and everything and most of it goes right over your head because you have no sort of practical knowledge or basis for what they're saying so then in your third year then you can actually just take that scientific knowledge and put it towards an actual science degree so something uh, like I did uh, immunology which um is the study of the immune system and, uh, and infections and things, so uh, no relevance at all to today's environment. No, it's uh, But that, that just helps you then later on whenever you're you're looking at careers and you're thinking, you know, what do you actually want to do within medicine as well. And then, yeah, finished med school, six-year course, uh, including that year of uh, another degree, so um, finished that, moved to Manchester for my, uh, for, for my first job, my foundation years, in Salford Royal Hospital, so that that's basically two years where you do a bit of everything. You, you get six job rotations and you it's meant to give you a bit of variety. So you you usually have a rotation in something like GP uh, or psychiatry. You usually have rotations in acute medicine, which is where basically you're seeing the, the patients that come in with you know infections or COPD or asthma and they you're the first person that sees them coming into the hospital and uh, and then at the end or really in the middle of those two years you're meant to sort of decide what to do with the rest of your life uh, for training and uh, I didn't I, I just took another year out so I'm currently on my career break which is where we're at now.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like medicine like if you want to be a doctor or you want to be a surgeon it's very very long like it takes maybe up to sixty ten 10 years and that's a big chunk of your life studying and, until you get that career.
1: Yeah it can it can feel like a very long time and certainly what what you notice I think because university is university it flies by and you 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 do have you know, a good time the whole way through. I certainly had a good time the whole way through. And so that wasn't really a problem for me, but definitely once you come out of university and you're doing your first job and you're on, you know, basic wage for, for a doctor, which isn't isn't bad, you do notice that a lot of your friends from home are, you know, starting to settle down or have, you know, actually progressed quite far up their chosen career ladders or, uh, you know, really know what they're doing in life a lot more than you do. And that's the other thing about medicine as well, because so much of your life between what 18 and 35 if you go the route that I did uh, is spent in training you really have very little choice over where you end up living Um, you know my parents ended up my parents are both in Belfast where they ended up in Derry because that was where they were placed I've ended up in Manchester because that was the highest job I'd ranked that I got the points for so you know it's you have to be quite flexible in in terms of lifestyle um, which can be a bit of a barrier to to enter in the career a bit later on as well, I would say, and for a lot of people.
0: For studying, what was it that made you go down the route of a junior doctor rather than a surgeon or any other career routes in medicine?
1: Basically, there's a couple of facets to this and one is that there is definitely a tendency amongst like myself and the people that I know from med school to be going down sort of medical career paths as opposed to surgical career paths which are like I say sort of things like gastroenterology so looking after infections and inflammation of the bowel or respiratory diseases or uh, acute medicine and and that is because a lot of med school particularly our med school was focusing on sort of the science behind those conditions. There were definitely surgically minded people at my med school and certainly you see a lot of people coming from other countries who have had a much more surgically oriented um, medical school sort of path and particularly I think in, in America I think you, you actually to some extent study surgery in med school rather than or intern in surgery rather than in medicine which is very different to to here but here actually so that being a junior doctor is the the sort of trunk that then leads you to the branches of surgery medicine all those different careers um there are very few things that are that are sort of out of bounds then after that so everyone kind of goes through that same route so whenever you see me sort of um, so I, sh- I should explain, I was on um, a BBC sort of documentary last year as well, where, where I was working in an ENT. And uh, and that wasn't necessarily because I'd chosen to work in ENT, it was because I'd chosen, like I say, six job rotations, and one of those was ENT. And that was just to give you a bit of variety. So it wasn't because I'd said, oh, I want to be an ENT surgeon, and I want to do that, uh, although it'd be a lovely job. It was, it was just sort of part of the overall wider grounding of a junior doctor because you know i'm at the minute i'm planning to go into gp next year and if i do that you know there there will be quite a lot of vnt that i'll see just day to day and it'll be really useful to know some of the things that i learned in that even if i'm not necessarily going to be a, a surgeon at the end of it
0: mm-hmm. and how was it that you got into the bbc documentary that's called junior doctors your life in their hands how did you actually come come to be a part of that
1: can't take any credit for it. It was pure chance, really. But um, what happened was uh, I'd seen it, 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 I think it's, in it's I don't know, like sixth series or something mad like that. But when I was at med school, I remember watching a couple of episodes of, of each series before. And, you know, we'd, I, I always kind of thought at the back of my head, like, oh, it'd be cool to be involved with something like that. Even though I was very aware that it seemed like everyone that was on it just... Looked like an absolute tool, you know. It's a bit like with with anything. You kind of watch it and you think, I'll look better than that. Like I, I'm much, you know, cleverer or I'm much better put on the spot than that. No, sort of thing and then purely by chance, like I say, I moved from London to Manchester for uh my F one and F two. And at the end of the, it was it's quite a not a new hospital, but a very recently well done up hospital, and it's gone from being quite low in. in sort of patient satisfaction to being quite high in all respects, uh, Solford. So I think they were trying to attract a bit of media attention and BBC's actually based quite close to, to Salford as well. So um they had come to one of our teaching sessions basically and said, Look, we've got a, a sort of an agreement in principle from your hospital to uh to film here. Our is interested in being followed for a few months and uh and I was I thought everyone would be because... You know that's that's just the sort of person I am I never really don't really have any shame, but I was like the only hand that went up so <laughs> a lot other people took convincing and to be fair like the first thing was just like a a chat with the um the producers of the the agents that had come to the hospital, and it was literally just it was really weird because i I'd, I'd just completely out of the blue stayed on after teaching to talk to them, but they like sort of brought out this like thirty page interview list of questions that i you know wasn't prepared for so you end up sort of thinking on your feet and saying quite a lot of quite dodgy things that they later referred back to a million times whenever they were asking me questions for the actual show and you're like can you not bring that up I didn't really want to talk about that in front of like the British public but uh but yeah no it was an interesting uh experience then and then obviously they came back a couple more times with like higher and higher up people and eventually they they chosen I think it was a seven of us or six of us and and one person later dropped out um because it was it was quite quite stressful doing it like
0: I can just imagine I wouldn't like to be on on tv I think I'd buckle
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I I mean I'd sort of grown up doing Miss Biddle and stuff like that so uh I always had a bit of just I didn't really care what people thought of me like I could always stand in front of a crowd and make a bit of a tit at myself and not really worry that much about it but yeah, it is a bit of a different... I think the problem with it was... Um, I'm sort of very aware of how I'm coming across. And you are just being followed all the time. And you don't know what they're trying to get... Well, you know what they're trying to get out of you. And you know that it's just entertainment. And they're not trying to see your side, necessarily. And looking at previous series, it's like they they were always, like I say... It was funny. And you kind of could relate to some of the Doctors. But... Um, They definitely made some of them look like absolute fools. And I was aware that, you know, as the, the months went on of filming, the things that they got interested in were the things that made me look stupid. So I was a bit like, right, how's this going? And and like I say, there was uh, another person that was involved in it who who did back out. And part part of that was because of the, the pressure of just having them right up in your grill all the time. And part of it was... Actually, you're when you're working on a ward, you're already working with a team of six or seven other doctors, uh, of different sort of seniority, nurses, and obviously you've patients and sometimes quite, sort of um emotionally sensitive patients or or patients going through emotionally sensitive times of life, and, and actually just having a full camera crew with you is, it just jars with that sometimes, and and definitely people struggled, yeah.
0: Cause it's it's already stressful enough, and then having to have even more pressure, and it, it's easy to make to make mistakes.
1: Yeah, well, this is the thing. Um, you know, I I was going on to quite a technical job, so ENT. There's a lot of fine sort of procedures and, um, and little sort of you know you, you pass sort of little cameras down people's throats and you do some sort of abscess drainage and you do some stitching and and taking drains out and putting drains in and all that sort of thing and you kind of you're doing it for the first time or the second time ever in your life anyway whenever you start that job and the the camera crew was following me from day from week 2 of the job so so there was no practice there was it was all like you know where I think they painted me as a bit, a bit nervous and a bit shy and all that sort of thing. And I, to, maybe I am a bit, but most of that was the fact that there was a camera on me and that I was very aware of. of like I say, previous series is people trying to take blood and missing and just doing it like eight times and looking like, you know, quite savage. And uh, I didn't want to be that person, you know. So for a lot of those procedures, I was happy to sort of let someone else step in while the cameras were rolling and try and, and learn a bit first you know where you know as a do- as a junior doctor you're you're expected to to sort of take a, a bit of a leap of faith with with some things you know you're the only person in the hospital that knows how or that is insured to do this procedure so you should be the one doing it you know so
0: definitely no I understand and um for anyone who does want to go down the route of medicine what does a day's work look like as a junior doctor? Oh sorry no, it's gonna it keeps clicking sometimes. <laughs> um what oh sorry, um what does a day's work look like as a junior doctor?
1: So it's very varied. Uh it depends what you're doing. So generally if you're working on a so on a general me- general medical rota, for example, um that's probably the nicest of the the junior doctor schedules you can be given for four months. So that tends to be nine to five or you know, maybe quarter to nine because you have to get in and and print some things off and then you might run run over about half an hour at the end of the day but um it tends to be quite well delineated you come in you have your handover from the night staff so there'll be people that have been covering the ward at night who if there's been anyone that's become more unwell or um if there's been any sort of uh, admissions overnight that they will hand them over to you so giving you the best information um verbally or sometimes with the patient there in front of you as well um, and then you will do a ward round. So a ward round is uh, something which in surgical terms lasts about 45 minutes and in medical wards can last about four hours and you basically go around with a senior, usually a consultant, sometimes a registrar um, and you um, see every patient that's under your care and you are basically trying to manage where they're at in their sort of hospital journey so have they just come in do they need more treatment do they need more investigation um do they need something specialized can they go home and have all this sort of stuff as an outpatient and be followed up and then after the ward round you'll have basically done either documented which is quite a lot of your job really um on the ward round or you'll have to do all that afterwards so then you spend quite a lot of time doing patient notes and then each of those patients will have a plan and it's your job to sort of carry that out so that plan might be like I say sort of book an MRI talk to a radiologist get it vetted get that done um and that just involves sort of liaising with different people in the hospital or it could be go and speak to the relatives and tell them about this patient's illness and how serious it is and uh, and sort of manage their expectations and find out what their what their sort of plans are um so, that, you know, d- depending on the day, can be quite emotionally draining, or it can just be quite physically draining, or you can have a day where there isn't much from that. And then after that, you would see admissions. So, you'd see people that have come from AD who need to come into the hospital, and you basically um, clerk them in, which means Getting all their information, making sure that they're in for the right reasons and that they need to be there and that if they're on any regular medication, it's prescribed and, uh, and you're, you're, you're sort of risk managing as well there. So you're, you're making sure that if something does go wrong, like, you know, they end up staying longer, that they're on the right stuff to prevent clots or if they you know, become more breathless, that they have oxygen prescribed as a, a sort of a precaution. That is medicine. Surgery, like I say, ward rounds last much quicker and then after that you have a lot more patients and you're just sort of doing the jobs and you're kind of more on your own. There's fewer seniors around because they tend to be in theatre doing things. So so that's when, you know, you, a bit like what you see on the BBC Junior Doctors programme, you're then sort of called to the ward to actually do little procedures or to prescribe things for patients that have become unwell and a lot of that is in teamwork as well so when when you're on um, these jobs you'll be part of a team of probably five or six junior doctors per specialty so you know for smaller wards maybe one or two but uh, doing those ward rounds if it's a, a bit of a marathon like the medical ones you can do them together one person can can make notes or if they are like the surgical ones you might need to tag team and they might need to sort of take every second patient and you can sort out the notes for the first and that sort of thing so there's a lot of teamwork there and then there's teamwork in sort of delegating jobs then as well you know uh, you don't want to be uh, the only person sort of uh, looking after 50 patients during the day because you'll you'll never go home so if you are doing discharge summaries you might as well do discharge summaries for all 10 people that are going home. And if you're doing, uh, you know, prescribing fluids, then you might as well prescribe all the fluids. So it's it's good to, to have that sort of relationship with your colleagues that, uh, that means you can do that. And that's another thing that's nice about medicine, actually, is that you do, especially as a junior doctor, whenever you're coming in, it's still quite sort of, school-like you're, you're coming in with people that are also on their first job of their life and I didn't realize that was unique until I spoke to other people who'd sort of taken like civil service jobs and things that were coming into an environment where they were like the only 25 year old there and everyone else had kids and was at a completely different stage in life and that can be quite lonely. Medicine's not lonely it's very sociable and you know you still you make friends at every step of the way and you're you're sort of you know Especially some of the the more rural hospitals, you end up with a really nice tight group of mates that, that will stick with you, you know.
0: With medicine it is so stressful and you're learning every day. So good to know that you have that, you know, strong support behind you that if you did need anything you would feel comfortable to speak to your colleagues as they're all going through the same thing as you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um I think people that thrive in medicine are are people that are um open with where they're struggling. Um you know you see people that are overconfident very quickly get shot down in in situations where you're always being thrown into new scenarios Mm -hmm. and being asked to do things that you've never done before and you know life is happening as well you know outside of medicine things you know don't slow down so you know people that are having children or have had bereavements or have have been just you know struggle with mental health as well um can can end up really struggling with the pace of it sometimes and having a group of people who are taught to be well tuned into other people's emotions but also Mm -hmm. taught to reflect and taught to talk about where they're having issues in their practice and, and you know make make sort of plans for how to get over those issues. It can be really, really nice to have those people around and, and those people do really well in medicine, definitely.
0: That's really great advice. And what other advice would you give to anyone who is in school and who is maybe considering you going down the medicine route or for anyone who's currently at university and who may be struggling with anything at the moment?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess a couple of things. So school, like I say, I kind of chose medicine quite late, but I'd kept my options open, which was really lucky for me. So make sure you are even if you're, it's just in the back of your mind that you, you might think of doing it, you know, if you have a few different options. I would find the most restrictive one and sort of choose your subjects based on that. So uh, so for medicine, I think, I, I don't know what, if it's still what they want, but for, for our generation, it's definitely definitely, um, they wanted chemistry rather than biology, which is a bit funny. Chemistry and other science and maths or physics. So, so I think so I did chemistry, biology, maths and music and that worked well for me because I love music and it just was a bit of a, a, a an outlet then whenever the the science got a bit much. So definitely keep your options open in, in that respect first and foremost because that's the most important thing. I think when you get to when you get past GCSEs your A levels are really just a ticket to university. You know, you can brag all you want about your like five A stars at GCSE but actually you need to get those grades to to get you into your programme at university at A level. So work hard and and focus on sort of the, the end point, focus on the prize, you know. With with medicine obviously there's the the extracurricular stuff is really important and it's important because med schools want to see well rounded individuals. They know that the job is stressful. They know that the course is stressful. I mean five or six years of university is a long time and it's time away from home. It's time where you're living off basically nothing and you know you have to be resourceful, you have to be um someone that has other outlets and can do other things and for part of med school you more or less have to have another job because they don't really pay you to be there. So um so uh having other skills and having other interests is really important. I loved music and my med school interview was actually I would say seventy percent about saxophone which was really weird I wasn't expecting it but because I mentioned it in my personal statement uh, one of the interview panel picked up on it and was asking me about jazz grades and Charlie Parker and all that sort of stuff and I was just sort of loving it you know so they want to see that you're a well-rounded individual someone that can relate to people someone that can have a conversation and can can empathize on that note, I think it's important that whatever you do outside of school, what like whether it's volunteering or work experience or even in school, whether you're a prefect or head boy or whatever, if you don't get something out of it, it's useless at interviews and personal statements. You know, you, you, they are reading hundreds of these things every day. They're seeing hundreds of people every day. The thing that they will remember you by is the stories that you tell. So make sure that, you know, when you're doing these things, keep that in mind. Keep keep it in mind that you should be getting something out of this or you should be giving something back to it. So say you're uh, you know you're volunteering in in like a, a, a care home, finding what issues the care home is having and helping them with them. So say, you know, you find that, that they don't have TVs in the care home and then deciding that it'll be your goal to run a 10k and to raise money for that looks so much better on paper and sounds so much better in an interview than I volunteered in a care home for three months and, you know, I had a lovely time, you know, it's like that sort of thing. Or if you're, you know, a prefect and you find that there's a real problem with fights at the lockers, then, you know, make a plan, say, okay, we're moving the fourth year lockers to the sports corridor. And, you know, that means that you've then given something back to that place or you've given something back to that job it can make a make you stand out at an interview, and I think that's that's really important, and that's what I always tell people.
0: No, that's really great advice for anyone who's going to be going through interviews this year, or who's even filling out the UCAS form. It's really great advice.
1: Um, with a lot of med school interviews, I think these days they do um these sort of mini stations, uh where they kind of get you into scenarios and things like that. We didn't have to do that, those at uh, interviews, but we, um, we did have to do them the whole way through med school for exams and things. So. You know, I know that definitely the, the trick with those is just practice because it it feels so unnatural. You're talking to an actor or you're talking to, you know, a mate in, in, in practice and you have to get yourself into the mindset of, you know, you're speaking to a patient or you're speaking professionally. And so just practice in those scenarios and or or if you know currently we're locked lockdown. if you need to practice it in front of a camera as well just to see how you come across and and the little sort of verbal ticks, the little things that you say without even noticing that you're saying them which can sound odd to to a third party you know we find in med school it's, you, you're always doing these and you you find people that or everyone does it like i, I do but you you'd be talking about someone's family history and they'll be telling you that their you know their mum had cancer or their dad had Alzheimer's and you'll be there going right right great okay and it's those wee things and you kind of go why am I saying great there that patient doesn't want to hear great you know what I mean and so so little things like that can can make a difference and and just um like I say practicing in front of a camera or um recording yourself or just getting a friend who's who you can be honest with and uh who can be honest with you and you you don't get offended and uh that will actually really help you know
0: Brilliant! Uh, I've really thoroughly enjoyed listening today about your experience as a junior doctor and, and your journey from school. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me today.
1: It's been lovely chatting to you. I feel like I've I've been nattering for ages, but uh, yeah, good luck with editing this. But <laughs> uh, thank you very much, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. so sounds great.
0: Thank you, Luke. Bye.
1: See you later, Vanessa. Cheers. Bye.
0: Thank you all so much again for joining us for another episode of Working at Careers. I thoroughly enjoyed learning so much about a career in medicine and it was also interesting hearing about that BBC documentary that Luke was into. Next week we will be joined with Leona O'Neill who is a freelance journalist and she also works for the Belfast Telegraph. So for anyone who is interested in a career in journalism or even like a writing career it will be a great one to listen to so I hope to see you all again next week. Bye!